0: good morning ladies and gentlemen crypto traders around the world let me apologize up front if i sound strange or if there are bizarre pauses or anything of that nature allergies are kicking my tail and then of course the weather can't make up its mind which jacks with my senses so i will do the best i can to stay fresh and clean as much as i can let's go ahead and jump right in this one this episode is going to be pretty streamlined there's not significant amounts of things going on thank goodness But we do have a couple of points to make. So let me get the particulars out of the way, of course. CryptoTalkRadio.net is the site. That's where you're going to find all of our different platforms where the podcast exists, as well as be able to send us feedback and subscribe for news and alerts. I'm going to be revisiting the move of the podcast to the new platform. And the reason that I'm thinking about revisiting it now has to do primarily with services I need to be able to give you that I'm not able to give you You have them in the current, but there are other things that I want to enhance I can't do on the current host. The problem is I have to work with another provider and they seem willing to try to work with me to try to fix the one lingering issue that's still remaining where I can then make the choice to move across to the other side. None of this is final, but it's in my mind, I'm very, let's say frustrated, it's the best way I can describe it, with the inability of so simple of functions that each tool, each platform it's like this one over here works perfectly fine this one over here perfectly fine this one over here is perfectly fine but there's none that combine all the different things even some of the paid ones they don't offer things that the free ones offer it's it's a frustrating exercise and that and i'm again committed to giving you the best so i don't know how at this point it's going to go i'm simply updating you that i'm going to revisit it and see if we can make another Uh, pull to make it work the the moving the actual action is nothing that parts all figured out it's making sure that not only do we not lose functionality but I can improve it I know that the new host is better in certain ways but it frankly sucks in other ways that don't apply on casual talk radio which is a sister podcast there I don't care as much because most of them go on the web by default so they're automatically going directly to the website they can then do our RSS subscription function that we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to revisit it starting with the instructions for RSS for those that are interested in that to be able to set that up on yourself. And then I have to look into this option again for the notifications plus other features for supporters because that's been asked as well. Once I get it figured out, I promise I will let you know. But right now I've got to just, it's got to work. It's got to work for me. It cannot work for anybody else or anything else it's got to work for the way i need it to do it i'm not going to give you a lesser experience i'm not going to do a step back experience and it seems like for the most part we have good traction going on the other update i'll make it seems like there's an increase in the number of views that we're getting on the youtube side the youtube traffic is skyrocketing what i don't know specifically is if that's a symptom of just them already being there Or if there's something that I don't know in terms of the podcast audience and perhaps a different, uh, you know, change of opinion or appeal. I know some people have reached out and said they listen to the podcast, the full podcast in like their car or at work or something. So I don't want to take that away from you. What I'd like to do is just kind of understand better what the preferences of the audiences are and understanding I can't serve everybody perfectly. But I do want to make sure I'm not leaving anybody behind. So if there's something specifically on the podcast that's not meeting your needs, let's say, I've gotten some points feedback, some of it I can't really do much about, and I've built YouTube as the alternative to fill those gaps. There are tools we're testing right now for you to get the same experience, but with the snippet episodes and then we're making a couple other changes I'll talk about here in a second. All of these are based on feedback. All of these are based on things I'm hearing from listeners. So the feedback is critical. If there's something that's not clicking for you, let me know. I want to hear it. Cryptotalkradio.net is where you find the form to submit that feedback over to us. I read each and every one of them. I value that feedback. So let's talk about some of the quick changes. These are likely not going to affect the main podcast. These are going to affect YouTube. So if you do listen to the YouTube side, this would be for you. Today, when I do a coverage of a project, it's pretty much the totality of the coverage that I can see in kind of a once-and-done shot. The problem is some of these larger projects, they take a lot more time to evaluate them because there's a lot of minutia I have to go through. So what I thought of doing to try to optimize this for certain segments of the audience that only care about certain parts of the coverage, there's going to be a preview. The preview is a separate upload to YouTube only And it's going to focus on the streamline nuts and bolts of things that we expect for the most part are basic fundamental things that don't require deep dives beyond the first time. So, for example, does it have a white paper or not? And if it does, is it a good white paper or is it a crap white paper? This is something that doesn't need to be in the full coverage. I can then streamline that to the preview go through that and then on the full I would revisit whether or not they updated the white paper based on any recent changes if any. If there weren't any I don't need to address it again. The hope is that then the preview can absorb roughly a third of the time it takes to do the coverage. So if like with EverRise that was about 30 some odd minutes because there's a lot to it. There's a lot to their ecosystem. They're kind of an aberration but in general if I knew that something's going to take 30 minutes and I can slice off 10 minutes of that to cover 80% of the core fundamentals that would never change I can then use the rest of the time and possibly even streamline that further because now I'm focusing really more on the nuts and bolts of the performance aspects of a project so the goal is if you have certain people that care about just at a high level does it look like it's crap or not right and 10 minutes in and out or people that really care about am I gonna lose money or not okay you got this other one over here that you can do or some people may care about both I'm giving more choices to people and if I build it correctly it should youtube should automatically link all this together so that's going to happen on the youtube side will not affect the main podcast the main podcast will still be basically the final coverage the totality of coverage that i come up with as i've been doing so far the other piece of internal news so i i mentioned that i got a call and i'm hopeful that it's an a good result call I got some follow-ups on that one that seem to identify that that's going to move forward. I'm still waiting on a little bit more, for it to find you know wrap up. Haven't heard back yet. I'm hoping to hear back today or tomorrow, ideally, so that because as I committed to them, you know I'd want to try to start making moves here soon by the end of next week. So I'm hoping to get some calls here soon, so that I can start the process from my side. The next steps that they've called out should not be that big of a deal, but I still need to be aware, you know, keeping the loop as to what the what's and the where's and the whens, because I still have more steps to do. This call that I'm last waiting on is not the final. It's just a commitment that it'll become final at some point. Once I get a signed agreement, then I've got the physical move I got to do packing all that garbage. I have to wind stuff down here, I have to physically relocate myself, I have to reset up my podcast setup, and as I mentioned on Casual Talk Radio, some of my stuff I'm not going to be able to have like I do now, so the audio quality may be a little bit weird if I need to record with alternate hardware. I've got like three different ways to record the audio, so I'm not concerned about the doing, but this is one example specifically around how the new host helps with this because it allows me to directly record straight from the device. The current host, I can somewhat do it, but it's not nearly as powerful. So I'll have to still have like my laptop and do work because I don't want you to lose any of the quality that you're currently accustomed to now that I've gotten it to a pretty good science. So I'm doing that midstream while doing this move, but also I have to keep the lights on, right? I gotta keep paying the bills and everything else and I'm working on all the enhancements which goes to my final internal update. The enhancements for the supporter feature, currently I'm in the investigatory phases looking into different tool sets to find the right one. It's not a matter of doing it, it's a matter of making sure it's the right tool set for what I want it to do. I have some more ideas for some things I'm going to offer to supporters if they are interested in these things, but I want to make sure I've got everything figured out in my head about how it would work and then I got to test it and kick the tires. I'm still on target for the end of the month to have this all wrapped in, but I need to make sure that to do the testing. And so the testing is what takes the longest time is making sure to test it, test it, test it. I'm not like Satama who doesn't test their garbage. I test mine 50 ways to Sunday before I give it to you because I don't want you to be given a crap project. And then I look bad, right? So even though I'm just a one man show so far, everything's been pretty robust With the exception of Google Podcasts, and that's a bug on their side, where there was an issue, and then I got it fixed, and then the new update that I did uh, recently to just clean up the RSS resolved it completely. So everything now is running smooth, and again, I'm one person compared to Satama's seven or ten people, and I'm able to do that, but it's because I'm committed to quality. I'm not committed to rushing anything. I'm not committed to pushing garbage out the door. I'm committed to quality because I feel like that's what you deserve. And I'm not going to give you less than that, even if it means I have to hold off. And then it's on me to keep you updated without any hard commitments. I simply said, as of March, there was going to be the move. And then I updated that I wasn't going to do it yet. And then as of April, then we're doing the subscription, but I'm not committed to any day because I have to play some nuts and bolts. So constant communication about what's going on and then commitment to quality And testing and review and re-review and working with the various vendors until it all kind of clicks together. Understanding a lot of this is because I'm working on a limited budget. If I had unlimited money, like some of these projects, then it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I'm working on a limited budget to make it work. So as far as internal news, that's predominantly all I got. That's for the internal for the podcast. Let's get to our external news. Of course, the biggest news Elon Musk has now put in an offer to try to do a hostile takeover for Twitter. And you're wondering why I'm covering this on the the crypto side. And there's multiple reasons. First, we know that Japan, predominantly Japan, reacts anytime Elon does anything, tweets anything. Anytime he says anything, Japan reacts. But Elon also has been aligned with Doge. And he's talked about aligning Doge with Twitter. He had sent a tweet a a long time ago saying that he wanted Twitter to accept Doge as tips for donations, which they toyed with it and I don't think they ever got it rolled out. Instead, Twitter focused on this garbage of using NFTs as your avatar and all this and and then everybody gets spammed. So they're not focusing on the right attention things and then putting banners on certain people but not others for the same infraction. There's a clear bias inside Twitter as to how they treat the, the person on the platform. And so Elon's always been an advocate for, no, we need to get back to neutrality and we need to keep it free. Some of the counter arguments were some countries require censorship under the rules or they get fined or canceled or blocked or banned or whatever. And then the counter of that is if you think of Binance, Binance has Binance.com and it has Binance.us and they did that on purpose so that different country treatment can be managed in Binance.us for the United States versus Binance.com for everybody else. Twitter could do something similar. I would argue there's no downside because you're not like, if you go in right now, yes, I can see, like, I actually have people following on social media who come from Japan. I believe I have a couple of Japan followers. I may have a couple of uh, Korean ones. I think I have a few actually not Russian, but like German. I don't, I might have one Russian one. Even there are people from different languages. And then of course, Twitter's translation engine allows you to, you know, translate the tweet the way you need. And then, of course, if you know what to do, you can provide back to those languages. So there is that aspect of different languages and different treatments and everything else. But the, the interface that they're going through to get to me can be a different interface that allows that filtration without affecting my experience. I think that's where Elon would like to go if I read it right. And the reason that he chose to do hostile takeover instead of the sitting on the board. And he even alluded to it in the SEC filing, which he posted on Twitter. He said that, you know, I was a member of the board and I was willing gung ho to do that. And I got in there and realized I can't save it this way. I can't help it anyway. And chances are he got in there and he was told, nope, you're going to sit in the chair and shut up. And this is what we're going to do. And we'll, you can listen in and we'll hear what you got to say. But we ain't changing nothing. Deep, deep, deep. Because there's just this, because of Jack Dorsey, there's just been this resistance to anything other than what they want to do there's been this fight to push twitter into this agenda based system that serves certain people and not others where elon's trying to break that well the reason that this is significant this is significant really significant for cryptocurrency is that arguably there are two platforms where cryptocurrency messaging are hot and heavy that's twitter and tiktok used to be facebook not anymore LinkedIn to a lesser degree but Twitter and TikTok are the two that have been talking about cryptocurrency and different things and then I'll add YouTube into that as well well if we accept that Twitter is and remains one of the top platforms for cryptocurrency chatter it's not compatible to have the platform filter out what we want to say we can't have where somebody in Twitter land decides to mute or filter or block or ban or whatever Just because somebody, let's say, spins up a cryptocurrency and says something about COVID or says something about the vaccine, and because that person gets triggered, that person's tweet gets muted or banned. We can't have that. We've got to have it where there's a free discourse of any kind, and then let the the reader, the listener, use the tools available to them to filter their own experiences. A free market. That's how we're going to get back to more of the chatter that we had prior to Biden going into office. Remember, before Biden went in office, the crypto chat was hot and heavy. It was going crazy. Nutso, because we had a a much freer, not free, but a freer discourse than what happened in the later parts of 2020. Early in 2020, prior to the even chat about the elections and everything else, I would argue that Twitter was on the decline. And Jack Dorsey was complicit in this. He went on to Supreme Court things and he was lying to people and we saw that the decline was happening. If Elon can get this done with the hostile takeover, he has t- he has said openly that there's just fundamental issues in the way Twitter's being managed where it's not being enabled for everybody to do what they need to do and what they want to do. And instead, it's becoming a filter for certain groups to basically hate on people. That's causing, that's causing people to turn away from it and we don't want to see that because that's what happened to Facebook. Facebook became this this toxic ground and Facebook I would argue is near dead Instagram same thing Instagram right now is a bunch of people posting nudes or near nudes or garbage music videos or whatever it doesn't really have the significant business benefit it could have had especially when you talk about cryptocurrency and graph reviews and that kind of stuff so I think he's resonating with it's like Twitter's one of the last vestiges for being able to talk about cryptocurrency in an open format and use it for what it could do rather than what somebody in there wants it to do. I'm excited to see if he can pull this off because I don't like Twitter at all as an individual. I can't stand it, but I recognize the value it brings, especially in the crypto space as a conduit if it's done right for free and open conversation about pretty much anything. And then the power of individuals to use these tools to mute, you can mute posts, you can block posts, you can create your own lists that are parsed for you. You can create your own experiences. And that's what we should always advertise is you can create your own experience, you can create your own moderation, you can create your own muting and filtering. The reason certain people don't like that is, and the reason that they wanna impose values on other people predominantly is because they know that when you set up a Twitter account, you're nobody. You can talk and chat and talk and chat. If you're not some girl who's sitting there posting near nudes, you're not getting followers like that. And if you're not a celebrity, you're not coming in with followers like that. So they know it's hard to build. It is truly hard to build anything on Twitter, nowhere near what it used to be. Now, nobody cares about anybody else because everybody's caring about their own voice. That's part of the value of it is that you have your own voice and you can have your own voice. You just have to have a message worth listening to to get people to follow you, and it takes time. It takes time to build up followers, and you have to be contributing something to society worth following. You can't just be your individual voice, I don't like this, and have you know, a 1,000 people follow you like you could before. So it's harder, but you have to work for it. And that's what people don't like, is the need to work to get what you want to be heard That's where I think Elon's trying to steer us back. That's how I think we're going to get back to more exciting chat about cryptocurrency. Consider this, and then I'll move to our our other external topic. If we can get Twitter back to a strongest, a strong point, the strongest point ever, we have the opportunity to conform it as a strong messaging platform for cryptocurrency for those that follow other mediums. Here's what I'm saying. Those listening to the show right now, you go through podcasts to hear me, and that's good. What I'd love to be able to do is make sure you get alerts and notifications when things are happening, whether it was through the podcast or through our YouTube that we're doing or through our website that we're doing. Twitter could do that for me. Twitter could push you alerts automatically with me having to pay nothing to do it. All I'd have to say is follow me on Twitter and it would work. And you could do that now. The problem is I don't trust giving Twitter that business. Number one, if you're already on it, great. You can follow us at CTR Crypto Radio, but I don't want to push anybody there while Twitter is in this toxicity pool. I want them cleaned up so that it's worth your time because I wouldn't want you to just follow me. I want you to follow a lot of credible people that are out there on Twitter giving great information and then just simply use it as your notification source. You don't have to use it and consume it just for your notifications this is the list function i'm talking about for things i think are worth your time and attention right now i think twitter would just piss people off that aren't on it and people that are on it are on it because they have to be or they're following like their police station or something that's not the real use case of this thing but it could be and so i want to see where this goes because i think for cryptocurrency it could be used as a strong tool some have said why don't you just simply buy gab because gab is kind of the only close alternative or by Parler or buy out Truth Social or some of the other ones. The problem is that Twitter has a long-standing credential. Everybody knows what Twitter is. Most outside of the bubble of internet don't know what Gab is. They don't know what Parler is. They don't know what Truth Social is. So you're now forcing the people to relearn another platform and you got to create another account on those platforms. If we clean up Twitter and put it back to what its core essentials should have been, People already know what it is. And then you rebrand and make sure it's smarter for everybody to use, not just the pockets of people that want to conform it to the way they want it to work. I'm just personally saying I think that we should take the opportunity give Elon the opportunity to try to get in there and fix it. And if he's successful in his takeover, I guarantee you that Dogecoin is going to start jumping and it's probably going to get to a dollar. Because He's going to try to integrate that into Twitter's structure, rightfully so, because Doge has enough presence, it's it's spread enough, it's ubiquitous enough that you could tie it into Twitter activities and, you know, it's an inflationary token, so you could drive it according to Twitter activities and drive the price up just by nature of it being integrated. It's an exciting thing to watch. I, I guarantee you it's exciting thing to watch that deal. Let's go to our external news, the rest of the list here. These won't take that long. Of course, I mentioned about SHIB getting added to Robinhood, and I said on social media it wasn't gonna move the needle, and it didn't. Some people claim, ah, jumped 30%. 30% doesn't move the needle, because remember, the original all-time high was 3.8. It's nowhere close to that, and I wanna explain the reason why real fast. What happens is that, first of all, you had like thousands of people dump out, completely dump out of their bags. Some of these were whales. So that's one. Two, once people saw that things were dropping on SHIB, you had a bunch of FOMO selling. They saw that this thing is going down. Three, when the coin market cap price thing happened, people got frustrated because they didn't understand what the heck's going on with circulating supply. Four, Shib refused to do a automated burn mechanic when they should have. and five, the shibarium announcement and the whole garbage of them using bone instead of Shib, which is a, I believe, a critical mistake. The Shib team has made critical mistake after critical mistake after critical mistake. and that's harmed, I believe, investors sentiment. So it's no longer the darling that it once was. I still maintain there are people out there that, yes, this is going to go to a, a penny, right? And then that would make super billionaires in some cases. I don't think it's going to happen anywhere near in the in the near term. Could it happen in like 10 years or something? Depends on what they do. But there are going to be people that don't want to wait that long because now you're seeing all these other projects come up, right? That offer burn mechanics and reflections and treasury and passive income. Think about this. Right now, if you invest in any of the Tatano forks, any of them, and you toss $1,000 in any of those, you're going to get a significantly higher ROI on those than you would ever do on ship, in a shorter amount of time. If I were to throw, I'll, I'll give you a better number. If I throw $10,000 right now into Libero, based on the mechanics it's got and the Binance USD rewards, if I throw $10,000 at that and I throw, let's say, half of it into the bank, I'm going to make enough money that I don't have to work full-time because of the way that their structure works like SHIB can't touch that and that's what I'm trying to tell people if you're just waiting for being a millionaire that's fine if you're committed to it but so many other projects have come up that have created opportunities to get passive wealth that it's being delivered to you on a regular basis you're not having to wait to be a millionaire without seeing any ROI immediately With these, you're still, quote, waiting, but you're seeing a return right away. I believe sentiment has shifted towards the passive income strategy. I always think that any opportunity to do the passive income, because think about this. Let's say you identify 10 projects and they all do passive income and you invest in each and every one of them. Let's say you toss a thousand to each one of them and each one of them then are giving you, let's say, a hundred dollars every week. I'll just throw a random something. Okay, so you're making $1,000 a week, $1,000 a week doing nothing, sitting on your butt, doing nothing. Like, think about that. And then if someone drops, let's say one of them fails, you're still making $900 every week. This, I believe, is the current strategy, is the passive income, the passive wealth strategy, as opposed to you buy something and you have to wait for the price to move and you don't see any appreciable value. If SHIB were to pump right now, which it ain't really pumping, not the way I would define it, if SHIB were to pump right now, it would still take forever to get to its original all time high. And even if it did, you're still only talking like a 20, 30% increase of where it was. You still have to get back to the artificial all time high, which was at eight, 80 to go from right now, let's say 29, all the way back up to 80 is going to take, I'm going to argue about a year. And that's assuming people are consistently doing it. I don't think I, I'm i pretty sure people will do it just because it's SHIB. But I'm saying if you think about how much you're not making any additional wealth other than getting back the value you lost due to the issues because it's working from behind. That means you're waiting more years. And if I calculate, let's say it would take three years to get you to any ROI, positive ROI on SHIB. If it took you three years, so 36 months. In my passive income example, okay, <laughs> I want you to do the math yourself. 36 months times $3,600, 900 per week. $3,600 times 36 months. I, I challenge you to do the math yourself. I'm not going to do it for you because I want you to think about what I'm saying. I'm saying in what it would take for Shiv to get you any return whatsoever. You could have already been generating that money to go straight to your wallet, and you realize it immediately. Now, of course, there's tax implications to that, and some people might say, well, I don't want the tax implications. You don't have to claim them. You can leave them in there. If they're not claimed, they're not realized. If they're not realized, they're not taxable. Nothing knows about it because it's sitting in another thing. It's not in your wallet. It's not attributed to you yet. So you still have the same benefit. Is there a risk that you could lose it? Sure, but you have the same risk with SHIB. So I'm saying SHIB there was still this yay about on Robin Hood. It didn't make a dent, and the reason is because it never was going to. Because I believe sentiment has shifted away into something completely different, which is passive income. I believe that's the future. I believe that's where we're at, and I don't see us going any other direction, in my opinion. The Axie Infinity hack, which is a, called the Ronin exploit, money just keeps dripping out of this thing. It just keeps draining 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 goes to tornado cash which is the laundering that they're doing every time we see updates on social media where they're talking about how much millions was dripped out of this thing apparently the united states government got involved with this rightfully so because of the size of it it has nothing to do with the fact it's crypto it's the size of it when it gets to a certain size the government will get involved well apparently they got involved and they saw that okay this came out of north korea well duh because north korea has Arguably, the largest group of hackers for these types of things, financial hackers taking money. And there were theories, and I'm not making any evidence, I'm not making any definitive statements, I'm not having any proof, I'm just saying there were theories that Kim Jong-un may actually support what the hackers are doing and may actually be financing what they're doing. No proof, no evidence, no nothing. I'm just making a statement here, folks. Don't come back at me. I'm just telling you what I have seen. So what the government decided to do was to try to blacklist that wallet. To say, you know, we, the FBI has linked it up that this wallet is associated and we're basically gonna quote sanction the funds. In other words, they're gonna monitor that wallet and any funds that are transacted through it, they're going to try to intercept them and block them so that they can't be, nothing can be done. The problem is they've already shifted like $60 million of this roughly through this tornado cash to launder it out. So they've already made a pretty good amount of money. And I don't think based on the way that tornado cash works that they're gonna be able to do too much to get in front of this. Cause it's already in the, it's already in the process. Like it's already going. Now, if they are able to intercept it, I think the next step for them would be to put some rules around things like the Ronin structure about being able to mitigate those hacks somehow. I covered the EverRise ecosystem. That's actually going to be our token on a future episode. I'm actually going to go back and do a little bit more um, analysis and provide that to the podcast. It's already out on YouTube, but today I got a different token. But they have tools that would have helped mitigate some of this stuff. I don't know that any of their tools would have stopped what we're seeing here. It's a large deal. It's a large problem. for many many people so we'll have to see how that goes that's all i got for my internal and external news today i'm going to go ahead and get into our underdog token and here's the thing with this one i did a preview of this token back on march 31st so feel free to go back to that episode because i did the initial preview which i if you heard me earlier i said we're doing the preview and then we're doing the post this is now the post so I already did the preview, March 31st, if you wanna go back and listen to that one. This is now the post, this is now after the fact. A lot has changed since the preview. So we're gonna go through and cover this dude, talk about it, start to finish. I'm not gonna to spend too much time on some of the nuts and bolts because I already did that on the preview, but I do wanna kind of elaborate on some of the changes. Some of these are very good changes. It's increased kind of my evaluation of them, although I did see some concerns still. Let's go ahead and get into it. Again, this is Sphere Finance on the Polygon chain. So Sphere launched, and immediately after launch, there was a bit of a spike. It settled it settled back down, but it's been able to have some pretty strong upward trends. It's got it's got some interest, but I wouldn't call it significant interest. I think it's one where people are not sure of it. I started noticing that there was some search activity, queries, where people were trying to learn a little bit more about it. And I purposely held off on doing significant amounts of coverage because I wanted to give them the time to let the dust settle. It's similar to what I did with EverRise. They were building a lot and they were trying to establish a lot and I didn't want to go in without fully having a good sense of what it is that they were going to do. Now that we're here, let me go through this start to finish. Of course, the site is spherefinance.store. Sphere as in a globe, right? Spherefinance.store. I want to stress again, I encourage anybody that's doing this to take a look at it yourself. I'm not giving you any recommendations. I'm saying I'm just going to go with what I see. And from there, I expect you will go and take a look at it if it sounds like something that you might be interested in for your portfolio. But I'm not giving any recommendations about it because I can't. I might give a statement, but it's not a recommendation that you do or don't. It's a recommendation to look at it and then make your own decision as to what you're going to do about it. So Sphere Finance is on the, again, the Polygon Network. Although it's on the Polygon Network, they have bridged over to different networks. They did a private sale and then they did a public sale and they built mechanics around this that I called out before might cause some concerns for different people because and what they're trying to do is they're trying to manage stability of the project so they built a number of different things arguably that are copies i would say of things like libero as an example it's it's arguably kind of a copy of what libero is trying to do the way that this works and just to break down they went through and they built this out and then they submitted it for audits the audits were mostly completed They had a they had they said that they had a solidity finance audit. I didn't see the solidity audit there. It the link doesn't isn't correct. But they did get through a Cerdic audit and then they did KYC through Obsidian. I don't. I wasn't aware of Obsidian, so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper to try to understand what Obsidian's audit methodology was. It doesn't. It looks like they're reasonably new, but I wanted to give them a fair chance. The, the challenge is that most of these KYC orgs don't let you have access to the data that they KYC'd, which I think is important. I want to be able to see what it is that you did. Who are you? And this goes to my first down point of Sphere Finance. There's no evidence anywhere on the site of the who's. You don't see names. You don't see faces. You don't see anything. I think that's a concern. It's a strong concern because any project that we should have, we should be able to get to, that data from your website who are you what do you look like what is your name how can we find you on LinkedIn ideally so I would call that out of the top of the list is the KYC I understand it's KYC by an org but they're lacking in our ability as an investor independently to go in and see who these people are from our perspective so that's number one Number two, they do have a white paper. Unfortunately, it's the garbage get book. And anybody that's been listening to me for an extended period of time knows I can't stand the garbage get book. I'm frustrated to see that it is garbage get book. I understand why they have it. And I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm saying that they need to have a PDF. You've heard me. I need to see a PDF so I can hold you accountable. And with something like this, as complex as it is, I definitely want to see something other than the GitBook book because I don't it's not that I don't trust them but I don't trust them so any message or any developers listen on this one on sphere I want a pdf that is stamped you can use the GitBook book to create it but I need a pdf so I can hold you accountable we already had situations where tokens changed after they published the garbage GitBook. book that's why because I don't trust it and I don't want to see it and I don't know why we keep doing I, I do it's because it's easier for them to make edits and I got it use it to make the edits and then publish a PDF. I'm going to always hold to that one. The content of it's fine. I just, again, I don't trust them not to make arbitrary changes midstream. I looked at the graph. The graph has a, it has a rebase structure to it, similar to the other titano forks. The graph is clearly indicative of the rebasing doing what it's supposed to do. It's a steady growth graph, but when I looked a little bit deeper, the one thing that stood out to me is the volume is extremely low on this. There's hardly nobody actually transacting with this thing. And I don't know if that's because of a lack of awareness. I'm assuming it is because the thing is, it seems like there might actually be some sort of a time zone consideration to it because what I saw was that like early in the morning, like crack of dawn, like three, 4 a.m. Pacific, there were significant amounts of transactions. And then as the day goes, it just dwindles, it just drops off. So like an hour ago, they had about 350,000 in volume, which isn't terrible, but it's not as high as I would expect it to. But then like at 3 a.m. you had like 1.4 million and then yesterday you had 5 million. So it was dwindling and I couldn't see anything other than what appears to be international company or individuals that are buying in during those other time zones. This would indicate that the perhaps the awareness in the United States isn't there. Like maybe they didn't market it well in the United States. Because I'm not sure why I would see that. I've never seen that with any project where you've got this time zone consideration to it. So I looked a little bit deeper and I didn't see excessive amounts of shilling. I do see some, but not it's not like crazy amounts of, you know, nuts shilling like you saw with Seifu, right? I didn't see it seemed like they didn't do aggressive she'll push. Now I can't tell if that was intentional or not because they don't have like a roadmap on their sites. That's issue number three. There's no roadmap. So I can't tell what is their plan, you know, going forward, what is their marketing strategy? What do they plan to do? I don't see any of that. So I have no way to know if that's something that they intended to do. Like they intended to not advertise heavily or they did or whatever. I I'm not sure on that one when I, there's a, let me clarify when I say no roadmap because I I want people to not be confused. A roadmap is here's what we plan to do at certain points in time. Their site has something they call a roadmap, but it's not a roadmap. It's basically like I would call this like strategy. It's not a roadmap. So when they say liquidity bootstrapping, quote using launch funds, we will prioritize the purchases of valuable governance tokens from other projects. That's a strategy. It's not a it's not a task. It's not an action. An action would be, okay, in you know March of 2022, we're going to create a bootstrap wallet. In April of 2022, we're going to redirect liquidity. In May of twenty twenty two, we're going to identify the projects. I'm talking talking actionable tasks. This is not an actionable task, it's a strategy. Uh in Q two, they say sphere games, quote, a deflationary positive sum lottery where no one loses and that there are winners every three days. That's not a that's not a task. It's a it's it's a future state thing that you're thinking of doing or whatever that you built or whatever it is. That's not a task. A task would be, since it's Q two, okay. June, We're going to build a lottery wallet. July, we're going to create this after that, like tasks, actionable tasks. That's not, this is not actionable tasks. That's why I say they don't have a roadmap. They don't have a roadmap. They have strategy. They call it a roadmap. It's not a roadmap. So I wanted to clarify that because I didn't want people to get confused because they see roadmap on the page. That that they have is not a roadmap. When I look at the profitability, because it's steady upward growth, I do see that it has stability. The, the concern I've got is that the stability is based on the low volume, in my opinion, because once you get a lot of people investing like early on in the morning, there's that's fine. But you get higher sell volume prior to buys. It's not pump and dump, but you're not getting consistent buy. it's consistent by sell, which is OK. So it's steady growth for now. But because there's not this aggressive marketing that I can see, I don't know if it's one that's going to sustain. Like, you're it looks like you're banking on the existing people to just keep on buying dips. If that makes sense, that's fine. If that's the plan, it's not in the white paper that it is risen. I'm saying that I'm not sure that's sustainable, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to sustain that. It also could be, in all fairness, that it's like shib early day Shib, where they're trying to create it as a community based thing where they didn't want to go aggressively out there and they wanted the community to kind of spread the word that's great if that's what it was great i think that messaging needs to be on their site to their credit they openly say you know we did a thing to force you to take profits but they put apparently because i saw this on their um, social media which i'll get to in a second apparently they put a limit on the total amount that you can sell So it's kind of a whale management mechanic, similar to what I've mentioned on the show. They didn't block selling. I said the taxes could be a concern because they do change, they shift the taxes to influence buy or sell behavior. But this limit on the total, I think is a good mechanic as opposed to completely blocking sales or going with the high tax. Like if I were them, I would have gotten rid of the whole tax flux thing and I would have said, no, just do it where you're, managing it like an ATM machine of how much you can withdraw on certain periods so I like the withdrawal mechanic restriction I'm not sure I'm sold on the tax part of it and I want to give them at least credit for thinking through some way to manage whales without blocking them but the tax is what gave me pause in the preview and I repeat it here they have a minimal social media presence from what I can tell I'm pretty sure they have a telescam but it's nowhere on their site which I celebrate And I applaud that it doesn't look like they're forcing you to Telescam. They have a medium. They have a Discord. It looks like most of their steering is to send you to Discord. I'm not a fan of Discord, but it's certainly better than Telescam. And then they have a Twitter presence. And again, I've not seen excessive amounts of shilling on this one. So it seems like they may be just using community word of mouth to grow the project. That should lend itself to credibility and stability because it's not hyped by like the Del pulls of the world who then would dump on it. That's good. Unfortunately, because of the price movement on the graph, there's a possibility that FOMO happens off the green candles. And then those people dump out when you get into a bear situation, it does seem to be reasonably insulated from the bear situations from what I can tell. So that's good that they got that going. Let me close this out talking about the audit and I'm going to say audit singular, because like I said, the solidity wasn't shown, but the certic ones, what's matters. So. In looking at the CERNIC audit results, they had a couple of different things called out, mostly around centralization, mostly around the tokenomics. So, in terms of the centralization and privileges and things, they had concerns with how the tokens were shifted, and how they moved to different contract things. I had one concern here. They called out that hey, we got this issue with the contract deployer, and I don't want to bore you with the text, but we got an issue with the contract deployer. This means that you could be moving tokens and the people don't know it. And they said, okay, we fixed it and it's gonna go to a multi-sig wallet. Multi-sig simply means that multiple people have to agree. You can't just have one person do it. That fixes that concern. But then they said the upcoming V2 contract. This is, that alone concerns me because they're already saying we're gonna need to go to a V2. This guy just launched not that long ago and they're already talking about a V2. You've heard me talk about migrations and the fact that it seems like a lot of projects don't think through some of these problems. And then it's like, oh, crap, we got to do a V2. I understand that they at least thought about it and they have a plan for it. I'm saying that it's frustrating that we're still in this groove where we have to do a V2 contract. And I don't I struggle to understand why that seems to be a thing. I'm not sure. Other ones is uh, another issue was the add liquidity. This one, this one's interesting because basically what they said was. When we do this ad liquidity, the contract address is basically draining one of the existing pools. And then you're going to have this other, it's it's almost like the memory leak version of cryptocurrency. And they it's not being done by the contract. And so there's, there's kind of this issue of governance, of, well, somebody could get access to this and enrich them and you're building that. So they fix this. And then they said, you know what? We'll change this, but here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna in- introduce the multisig to this one so that we can manage it, but they said we can't lock it because of, quote, possible migrations. Here again, it's talking about, we know we're gonna need to do a V2. So since we're gonna do a V2, we can't do anything more than the multisig wallet. This is consistently their response. They're they're doing it over and over and over and over again. The third one had to do with, with permissions, the owner permissions, performance, uh, design, the private keys, risk of somebody, you know, draining the project, locking the project. And again, it's, yep, we, we know, but we're probably got to do a migration and we'll just do the multi-sig to manage this. That's, that's all the way down. That's what they're talking about. They did, they talked about the rebasing, the rebasing in their structure. They feel like, okay, we, we got as best we could. And they said, this was standout. They said that the APY that they quoted, which is like 99,000, they can't get to 99,000 for four years. To their credit, they don't like broadcast it on their site flashing like everybody else does. 99,000 APY, so they don't push it in your face. But they said, you're not going to get this 99,000 for four years. It goes back to what I said on other projects where I said, There's no way you're going to be able to sustain this APY, certainly not in the first year without significant mechanics working all together. Here, they're at least admitting, yeah, we know it's not going to be able to do this. It's going to take some time to get that quote. The community is well aware of this as we become a deflationary token further down the roadmap. So they're saying that today it's inflationary and at some point it'll become deflationary likely due to this migration. Other things were like the fees, uh, third party dependencies, and error messages, which are minor things. The big takeaways of what I just described is they've got this 99,000 APY, which is unrealistic. And they're assuming that people are reading their Git book to understand that the 99,000 is not immediate, obviously, but it's also not first year. It's going to take you four years to get to that. And I think their verbiage is slightly misleading in what they're saying. What they also said was, you know, auto stake happens in your wallet. You don't have to come to the D app. However, they built the D app to monitor it. So that's good. And they said that, you know, we can't know how many tokens you're going to get because of the rebase and the fluctuation. So it's good that they're open and transparent about the uncertainty of a thing. My biggest concern here is they should not assume people are going to read the Git book. I, if they had a PDF, it wouldn't be that big a deal because you could search for these things with the Git book. I think what they should do is turn it into a PDF to resolve it because it does look like they transparently say these things. I just think that the, the approach, the fundamental approach is a bit flawed in what that would do. The other thing I would call out, and this is minor, this is me, my nitpicks. As far as their social media, I would strongly advocate getting on Reddit. And the reason I say that is because Reddit's a searchable source. Obviously, they have Twitter and they have Medium, and that helps. But Medium is not two-way interactive like reddit can be. Reddit has a very strong community aspect, two-way community aspect that I think is lacking. Discord has some of it, but Discord tends to get toxicity at times because of the throwaway nature of the chats. You can't search it, you can't find it. So you can't reference things that happened after the fact unless somebody pins something, and those pins could be deleted. So I'm I'm recommending that they get on Reddit as an additional source for social media official. That's one. Two, I think the CERTIC audit results, the fact they're already disclosed, I I like that they're transparently disclosing that there's going to be a V2. I don't like that they need to do a V2 because it means there's something that they didn't think about and that happens, but certainly there could have been more time to think about it instead of rushing this out in lieu of let's just wait, let's really plan this out and then realize, oh crap, let's get these things in there. The fact it's on the Polygon chain might be a reason why the volume is low because Polygon is not the heaviest volume. However, the times that I see for the traffic seem like it's happening international. It's not happening with United States folks and that would make sense because United States folks are mostly Ethereum. It does say that they are bridged to other networks. Ethereum is listed as one of them. It may be that they didn't ever advertise Ethereum as one of the uses. I'm not sure on that one. So ultimately, I'm not criticizing the project and i don't think it's a scam per se but i think there's a lot of i don't want to say smoke but there's a lot of smoke in the implementation where it seems like they didn't think certain things through and it seems like there's risk in terms of the fact we know it's going to do a migration we don't know when they apparently going to resolve some of that stuff i don't sense that there's a risk that you would lose your money like right away like you know with with seifu You're dealing with a guy leading the project who's a known rug puller. So there there's a risk, it's a high risk. This is a high risk in sense of loss of value. I don't sense the same high risk in terms of like scam. I don't see that from these. And again, their messaging feels like it's neutral. It doesn't feel like they're rushing you to tell scam or any that kind of stuff. So that puts positive to me. I would fix the white paper, it needs to be a PDF. And whatever's going on with the Solidity Finance audit, I would resolve that. And I would put names and faces on the site. Finally, that roadmap is not a roadmap and I would like to see an actual roadmap put in place. Site is uh, spherefinance.store or sphere.finance, either way. To check out Sphere Finance on the Polygon chain, I do recommend you take a look at it. I don't see scam here. I see that there's they just didn't take enough time in my opinion. To think about some of these other nuts and bolts that would have ideally avoided a V2 transaction. This is another Titano fork, essentially. So if you already know those, you already know going in what their messaging is going to be. And that's all I got for you here today, folks, on Crypto Talk Radio. Hopefully that's been helpful and informational. I will get this as well posted on our YouTube channel for those that were um, waiting on the preview and then now they're waiting on the final. That's probably going to upload tomorrow is my guess. I've got a couple other things to upload today. Uh, previews, actually. And then i got to finish up my move plan if this call comes in. And then we've got a guest that's recording for Casual Talk Radio today. Here in about an hour. So I need to prep for that one. No scripts. We just need to get mentally prepared for the conversation. Because it's a casual conversation. It's different than crypto. Crypto is predictable. Uh, casual is unpredictable by design. So we need to mentally prep on that one. Then, of course, this weekend, uh, since this is the last episode for Crypto Talk Radio this week, this weekend we are recording, hopefully, with our token guest, um, our second one that wants to smoke. And if that one goes forward, we're very excited to have that done. Just a little tidbit for you guys. When I do get the supporter section or function, whatever it is, set up and ready to go, video is going to be part of that. So this one, I will be planning to record video, including... Uh, the audio and then the audio will be made available to you via the normal forms you'll get it on audio YouTube and audio on the podcast this would be for supporters you would get access to the video in addition to the audio in case somebody might want that so just something to look forward to as I figure out the mechanics of the supporter function That I'm always thinking about value-add things that's something I think is a value-add thing I thought about doing a live the challenge with a live is there's a lot that we're gonna need to cover And I want to make sure I give you the best experience audio wise and the podcast, I believe, should get the information first. So you're going to get that audio of that coverage first. I'll let you know on the day who that guest is, because I want to make sure it actually records and that we get everything cleaned up and and done. And once it's done that day, which will be Tuesday, then at the front in my pre-roll, I'll let you know, Okay, here's who it is and here's what they do. And then your call to action will be to check them out. I'll give you all the contacts, how to go and check their project out. And then it'll be just like covering an underdog token. The difference is that underdog will be actually talking to us, right? So that's the cadence. It's the same cadence as before. And we're very excited to have that happen. If that one goes forward, we think it's an exciting project with a lot of appeal, potentially, and a lot of strong because it's solving. It's a problem. It's already a problem, known problem, and it already has solutions, but the solutions are not accessible to the regular person. Theirs is trying to make it accessible to people like you and myself. That's why I'm intrigued to talk about it. For now, that's all I got and I will chat back with you guys on Tuesday. Thank you again for listening. Please do share out CryptoTalkRadio.net for anybody else that you think would enjoy the type of coverage that we do, including whether they just want the snippets on YouTube, any of our different platforms will do. We want to make sure we get the information to you guys as streamlined and as thorough as possible while still remaining neutral as much as we can do.